This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley, and I am joined by my good friend, Mike Spears, for our 50th episode. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, here on our silver episode anniversary, maybe? I don't know. You you could tell that like I... And I'm not someone who keeps up with anniversary kind of stuff. But yeah, no, this is crazy. Uh, how are you doing, AB? Doing good. Uh, it's been a shitty day, but I'm ready to make some content and feel better about myself. So we're also here with Nate. What's up, Nate? Hello, people of Earth. Uh, Aaron, I'm glad to hear that your self-esteem is so closely tied to producing content. That's it is a super good indicator. Um, I'm deeply tired, uh, but you know, the the... The fans, the real EE podheads are dying to know, Aaron, who is your big prediction for the new Smash Brothers character being announced tonight at the Game Awards? It can't be Charizard. He's already in the game, so you got to pick somebody else. Uh, can you tell me like other people who are in the game? Oh, boy. So it's it's basically like a Nintendo All-Star game. So you got your Mario, your Link, your Zelda. your uh, But they've sort of started expanding it to outside franchises so it's more of like a video game all-star game i've got um baraka okay baraka from mortal Kombat. yes that's uh, off the board okay. a little bit that's uh so i guess i respect i mean it's definitely not <laughs> happening yeah no that, but that how, how do you even have how do you have an awareness of baraka <laughs> of all people i played mortal Kombat a lot as a kid okay okay i can I, name I, some like katana isn't that a mortal Kombat character katana yeah uh, do you, you saw that I was recently tweeting about Mortal Kombat? Is that possible? Yeah, I definitely would have seen that. Okay, yeah, I've, I've been playing the Mortal I mean, Kombat X. I gotta 10. be honest, I skip over gaming posts most of the time. That's most of the good ones are the gaming posts. <laughs> yeah, it, you completely missed out on the art house politics, the politics of everyone in Smash Ultimate. Like that could have given you just a huge eye into what Smash is, and you missed yeah. out on the good content because of don't, that. Don't know anything about that. Uh, Baraka, I'm are you are up. you are you playing this on your new Xbox? Oh, uh, I am playing Mortal Kombat on my new Xbox. Yes, it was uh, free with the free subscription to Game Pass they gave me. Nice. I how about this, folks? Gamer Aaron Bentley, I'm I'm getting a PS4. How about that? How about that? Oh, what's what's uh, catalyzed you to do this? Getting into racing games, folks. He's going to be a right. real race I'm pervert. Getting... He's. It's going to be crazy. I fully expect that the next time we record, like after the holidays, that we see this dry, this giant driver seat cage in the background there with a giant wheel adorned with Ferrari red. Because I know that our our boy AB is kind of a little bit of a Ferrari fan, so I could see that happening. So, yeah, I'm, uh, 2020 is going to be a real racing pervert year for me. Uh, I'm going to get the uh, the F1 game. I'm going to get Gran Turismo Sport or something like that. And mm-hmm. uh, a wheel, and I'm gonna uh, drive some shit on a on a PS4 right before they come out with PS5. Let's <laughs> say hey, you're getting the best value out of your gaming dollar that way, I suppose. Hey, yep, gotta love it. You know what we should do, AB? 
We should go down to the t- to the Circuit of Americas for oh, the F1 weekend. Absolutely. Get down to Austin, you know, go hang out with Matthew McConaughey. He weasels himself into every event in Austin. I think that's a good plan. I tell you what we have to do. They may be starting a race in Miami, folks. Oh, yeah. And if there's an F1 race in Miami, I'll see you all there. I mean, Jupiter, Florida's favorite son has to be down there. <laughs> so, sounds loud to me. Seems oh, it's like incredibly it loud. loud. Yeah, it is. I don't know. I don't know about loud. I'm not. I'm not big on loud. It's not as loud as it used to be. Smoking that loud. Not as much. <laughs> they race hybrids now in F1. That's right. Okay. That's right. There's rumors that me. there's rumors that not this next body that's coming oh, really? up in 2021, <laughs> <laughs> but it's the one that's probably going to be a package after that. Might be fully electric. Like there's been talk about that. So might not be as loud. Might not be as smoky. So there you go. Oh, I, I wanted the smoke though. I want, yeah. No, oh, you want the smoke? I want the smoke. <laughs> he wants that smoke for sure. That was a joke, but I did just like put together two, uh, you know, <laughs> common phrases. All right. Well, if you want that real smoke, you got to follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. You can find me at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, if you have trouble spelling these Twitter usernames, as someone told me by by DM. It's literally on the Everything AEW profile. They're all right there. You just click them and then click follow and uh, you'll be good to go. Then you subscribe yeah, to the I, podcast. I took, uh, I took Aaron Taub off the profile because he was on assignment. Um, just right. I don't know if you noticed that. I wanted to be honest about it. That was me. I did that. Sure. Love also, you, like we're 50 episodes in. I think Aaron's been on the show twice. So it's probably fair to just say that Aaron is not one of the hosts of the show. Four times? Aaron's four. been on the show four times? Four times. He was on the initial show. He came back once. There's the Aaron's if we want to count that as continuity. And then Doesn't our count. and then our live post uh, all out thing that we did in the hotel room in lovely Hoffman Estates, Illinois. So he's at three. Okay, I'll, Sorry, I'll give three. him three. I'll give him three. Okay. Yes. Subscribe to the podcast. You might hear Aaron in the future. Give us a, a rating and review. Five stars only. And here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to do Elite or Delete. We're going to run down Dynamite from last night. We got ratings, of course. We got some news. There's a little bit of news. There's a new pay-per-view that's been announced. We're going to talk about that. Before we get into that, I want to tell you what you can find on patreon.com slash everything elite. You can find, folks, everything about all elite wrestling. We're doing light every Wednesday, a Dynamite preview. Friday, Mike and I started talking about the rankings, although I'm really upset about the rankings right now. Uh, And then we also like to bring you as as possible. Yeah, I think that's right. Some bonus content outside of the world, even of AEW sometimes. And this week, Nate brought us the Kadani cast about my dad is a heel wrestler. I have seven minutes left in the show, so I'm almost done with it. It's excellent. Nate, do you want to tell our listeners a little more about the show? Uh, no, not really. Uh, talked about it last week. You know, we talked about the movie. It was a uh, uh, fun, good mix of guests there, I think, with Kara and Kath. I got one positive reply on the patreon account so thank you to that it's uh to this point a raging success um you know judging by the uh, interactions that our other patreon content gets to this point um yeah it's a fun movie fun discussion it's good next week the errands will be back and mike and i'll do light again so there's there's always something on the everything elite patreon so make sure you go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe now it's time to do elite or delete if you're new to the show, basically, we're just saying what we liked and didn't like from the show, but we try to make it a little more interesting. Nate, hit us with your elite pick for this week. My elite pick for this week is 
tag team wrestling, the tag team division in AEW. Uh, I want to shout out a couple things on this point. First of all, we had a main event on this television show, tag team match between two established tag teams. Very entertaining match. You know, delivered in a big way. Babyfaces got the win. Enjoyed it. Uh, particularly enjoyed the lengths that all those guys went to fall through tables. Like whenever they were getting, you know, even lately shoved on the apron, they ended up taking some sort of prat fall through a table, which uh, amused me a lot. And the other point of the tag team wrestling that I was enjoying this week was uh, that AEW has made a practice of bringing in tag teams, keeping continuity with them from their time on the indies. Like they brought in the butcher and the blade, brought them in as a unit with their act. You know, they've using this philosophy of, Things that have gotten over elsewhere, we're going to just give them a larger stage to do it here. Uh, and it's, you know, I, I think was successful, which I imagine someone else will talk about in their performance on this show. And even like the Beaver Boys, you know, the AW brass didn't go, oh, well, let's take Andy Williams from Butcher and the Blade and, you know, that John Silver kid's good. Let's bring those guys in and, you know, we'll see where we can mix them up and put them together and break up their teams and all this shit. No, they just brought in the Beaver Boys. They were, you know, jobbers, undercard jobbers, enhancement talent. But now they have a little bit of a story hooked where we can invest some sort of uh, attention or energy into the Beaver Boys, which is like, fuck, I wasn't expecting to have John Silver uh, have regular stories on national television. So I enjoyed that part of AEW this week. This will surprise none of you all, but I'm a huge fan of good tag team wrestling and you know, it's only when I'm like looking at my notes from last night and I see that there were three tag team matches on the show that I'm like, okay, that's that's kind of exciting. And of course, like three of these teams were impromptu teams. Of course, uh, my my elite, I guess I'll get into this right now, is how awesome QT Marshall <laughs> Marshall was and Cody, and then Saban and Sean Spears were impromptu team and. Then, Omega and Paige kind of have, they've tagged in the past, but it's just neat seeing like this much of a dedicated focus with this, that there was a clear top contenders match between the number one and number two, both in the AEW rankings and in the official everything elite composite rankings of, of proud and powerful versus young, young bucks. So like there is definitely like, an escalation of the card here, but, and I'm just going to want this in an eight. Cause I feel like that this kind of just flows together. QT Marshall, the dad core high flyer doing the space flying dad drop. Just, he was just, was a, he just was a delight to see. And it was the, that match in of itself was one of my favorite matches that they've had on TV in a while on a show that I did not like too much, but I love that match. And it just, it's really cool to see people kind of like go in front of this crowd that more so than anything else, this crowd wants everyone to do their best. They want people to succeed and they, and then there was like the backstage promo with Cody where it was like they started off by saying Cody's partner. And then by the end of the match, they were chanting for QT himself. And it just was really exciting. There was an awkward moment with that low bridge, but I still thought that the match in of itself was an utter blast. And hey, QT Marshall has, a, has like the overmatched like backstage worker who will come into the ring, do his best. Like I love a I love a enhancement talent like that. Like what's there not to like about QT Marshall in this role? I kind of thought the low bridge worked. For QT, like I don't know, it just it seemed, it almost seemed like he, not that he meant to do it, but that the wrestler meant to do it, and it worked for the character, in that way. I kind of enjoyed it, uh, but like, go his ahead. His whole Nate. like his his whole uh, uh, somebody said exuberance. Uh, maybe it was Andrew T. Rich. Um, 
But the way he was carrying himself worked well with the small little flubs or the less smooth moments of the match because it was like, oh, this is a jobber who's playing way above his head right now. He's punching above his strength and he's pulling stuff out to try and perform on this level. And it's not like going exactly to plan, but he's like, you know, getting the job done to the degree that he can. Crowd made it super fun. Awesome opener to this show. Uh, I think uh, I said this on Twitter, but putting this match up top with basically three unknown guys and QT and the Butcher and the Blade uh, plus Cody in the first match in the show where you're going to have a hot crowd that's ready to like things was very smart. Um, and yeah, you know, I just, you know, I, I think work rates fake. Uh, I think like technical precision and moves is like pretty boring. I'm far more interested in the aspect of wrestling where it's like, let's take a guy who's, you know, maybe has faults, maybe isn't a, a star on every level or whatever. Let's present him in an interesting way and let's see what kind of reaction we can get from people by doing that. And that's what they did with QT in this match. And that's like the height of enjoyable wrestling to me. I'm sorry if QT is listening, but whoever said he looked like if Chris Dickinson took three months off from working out. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. That's great. <laughs> I, it's I like too it's good. <laughs> I, I just think that he's like dad core high flyer. And I think that's really amusing to me. Like this, the, this Husky guy who just goes and not everything's executed well, but it's executed with such excitement and vigor. Like he's very ginky and I appreciate how ginky he is. <laughs> Yeah, he ruled. Uh, but I kind of think AEW is a tag team promotion. Like, I think it's built around tag team wrestling. Most weeks on Dynamite, most of the matches are tag team matches. So, and it's honestly their their most fleshed out division in a lot of ways. I mean, you got you got a full hierarchy of teams. Now, there's a lot of bunching up. They haven't done a great job of that, of like really differentiating uh, in the middle. But there's so many to choose from. And... Almost all of them are over. I mean, in to differing degrees. We even see Butcher and the Blade now getting. There was, you know, they got really no response when they showed up, but uh, they did a good job here of letting Cody, as Nate said, give the rub to all these guys. And since he's uh, the biggest star, you know, maybe other than Jericho in the company. My elite pick of the week, I'm going to continue something I said on uh, AW Light this week. It's Big Slow Week. I mean, she got put over huge on, on Dark with the. The video, if you haven't seen the video, the Big Swole video, you should see it. They should have put it on Dynamite. It's a great piece. And it really humanized Big Swole, you know, in a way that makes you realize uh, that she's not just a wrestler, but she's a person that you can root for, which I think is the number one thing. I mean, unless you go like normal pro wrestling, like what Chris Jericho does, that's like pro wrestling and it works perfectly. But on the other side, you have to give the fans a person to care about. Uh, that's why Cody is so, so popular, of course. So they've done that with Big Swole. Then they gave her the big win on Dynamite. And I've got to give Mike a lot of credit for realizing from the jump how much potential she had. And, and he was really able to see her progression in a way that I couldn't map out. And she's already really good. Like, this was a good match that she had with Emi Sakura this week. And so I'm excited that there's a uh, – there's like two – between her and Statlander, there's like two new potential stars in this women's division. It's very exciting. Yeah, and I just love watching prospects if it's in college sports, if it's in baseball, or if it's in pro wrestling. I love seeing talent develop, and you've been able to see basically since the episode in Charlotte, week-to-week -week progression with Big Swole. And, of course, now she has the contract, and she's now 
I think virtually full time. I know that she has other indie dates as well, but it's exciting to see her growing. And this was not an easy match for her to have this week. Apparently, Emi Sakura, the, there might have been like this backstage flu that was going around because I know that Nick Jackson apparently was sick and Emi Sakura was sick as well. So I think that her like rising to the rising to the opportunity has been very impressive. And yeah, if it's insane that they didn't put that video from Dark on Dynamite, like. That's not my delete this week, but that having all this good stuff is either on Twitter or on dark is really frustrating when it's been some of the best stuff they had, at least backstage or promo video wise has been these clips that haven't been highlighted, but yeah, no big swell week ruled. Yeah. You're not wrong, but it's like, I guess kind of a good problem to have. Cause honestly they have, it's not like there's a lot of uh, extra time on these shows where they can put this stuff in. Like they're really using uh, the whole Buffalo of their two hours here. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. But would I have, I mean, and I know they're, they've got a story they're working on here, but would I have rather seen the Big Swole video than the Brandy pre-tape? Yes. Uh, but I don't know. You got to find a way to fit it in, I think. It's just, well, it depends if you want to push her. If you want to make her important, then you've got to. Well, they may her. also want to push AEW Dark. So, you know, that, that sure. you know, it wouldn't be uh a total stat shot in the dark to say, you know, maybe that's something they're looking at shopping around is syndicated programming or international programming or something like that. So, you know, they want to make that, I think, uh, viewable, important to view content in its own right to some degree. Um, on that point, just because I thought of it, I thought they did a good job in the uh, Omega and Page tag match of you know, they established that Paige had left the Elite on BTE but had not really referenced it on main television. I thought they did a good job of threading the needle where it's like, if you watched BTE and you knew that, they still presented that in a way that made sense here. If you hadn't seen that and didn't know that, they still sort of told that story with, oh, you know, Paige is trying to step out on his own and be his own man a little bit. And we saw a little bit of that friction there with uh, Paige getting the pin instead of Omega. All right, let's delete some things. You want to get us started, uh, Mike? Yeah, I... When we were doing our very quick production meeting before we started recording, I realized that my delete wasn't something on the sheet, so I quickly added to it. I don't know if this was reflected on the one that's on that's in the Patreon feed, but I am deleting the idea of bringing Luchasaurus back early because now we've seen him across three weeks just interact, and they said he had a hand a hamstring injury and they said that it wasn't the tear that they feared. They thought that it was going to be a tear instead. It was like a strong strain. And I don't doubt that he was medically cleared. Like I want to get that out of the way, but the way that he was moving around in the Sammy Guevara match and even on dark this week with them tag match of Marco, he does not look like someone who should be on TV. He does not look like someone who should be resting. And the thing is with like these kind of injuries, if you tweak it once you can continually have hammock hamstring issues and for someone that obviously they know what the crowd response is they know how over he is having him out there not only like not healthy but have him out there in recovery and in a situation that he doesn't look his best is going to kill the crowd response to him because we're starting to see some people like their crowd response have kind of peaked and now they're going downhill and this is a really bad scenario i would not have had that match this week i thought this was by far the worst match they had on TV this week was Sammy Guevara versus Luchasaurus. And I think most of that probably is because Luchasaurus does not look like someone who should be on TV right now with the state of his hamstring. Am I the only one who sees this or am I reading too much into this? It wasn't very good. Like I, I didn't, 
I didn't think he was getting the reactions that he's gotten previously, and that might have played into it. I haven't thought that much about whether I think he's healthy, so I, I would probably have to watch him a little more closely to uh, have a strong opinion there. Yeah, it didn't jump out of me here, but I did. When he first came back, I definitely looked at like, oh, he's you know still hurting, so that does make sense. And I guess the thing is with someone with like so much of his offense is based on kicks and based off of being a very flexible and agile man of his size, him walking around when he looks like someone who's had their femurs fused into their hip sockets is not very good for the, for his ring style. So it just is something that maybe, maybe I am just reading too much into this and I totally will admit that, but it just, he, I think he came back early and seeing how the storyline advanced, I don't know how much you really needed to have him around with what's going on with jungle boy versus Chris Jericho. All right, Nate, what you got for us? So my delete, I guess, is just kind of having redundancies or a lack of thoroughness uh, throughout the show. And there's a couple, two different things I'll sort of tie into this. First is like the one that everyone's called out that, oh, there's a lot of dark, spooky cults on this show. You know, they've got all these different heel groups that are all trying to add people and they all seem like spooky cults and just seems a little redundant. And, you know, of course, that's a little overstated just because it's the internet discourse. But uh, there's the kernel of truth to it as well, because you do have the Dark Order and Brandy's group and, uh, you know, Butcher and the Blade and so on and so forth. Uh, and then you also just see, like, they've had issues where you kind of see similar spots play out across matches on the same show. And there was a, uh, you know, AMA with TJ Perkins where he talked about how on the WWE you will have to basically go over your entire match with an agent and tell them every single move that you're doing. And, you know, they're going to make sure that nobody's doing the same moves as Roman Reigns or anything like that to make sure that they're getting the necessary shine that they want them to get. Um, but maybe there's like some middle ground where you don't have QT in the first match doing the crossroads as like a big spot. And then in the like immediately following segment with MJF, him doing the crossroads is like a big heel spot to be like, I stole your move. Here's my good crossroads. It's like, well, we just saw another guy steal the move as a baby face. Like it just, uh, it, it's a, a little unnecessarily confusing. And you know, it's like, this is a complaint I had, I think back on like fight for the fawn where literally every guy did a kip up in their match. And I'm like, it's too many kip ups. Like when Shawn Michaels had the giant kip up spot, he was probably the only guy doing a kip up on the card. And that's like for a reason. Also to that degree, like a lot of people do back elbows that aren't the Judas effect. And it's like, you know, you can't really get mad about that. Cause like Scorpio's guy, will, you know, do a back elbow to somebody when they're charging them in the turnbuckle. And it's like, well, yeah, it's just like a normal wrestling thing, but it's like, well, how's that different from the Judas effect? It's like barely. Anyway, that's my complaint. Well, yeah, especially because I think there was a Kenny interview early on where he was like, and it might not, I might be making it up. That it was Kenny, but one of them was like, Oh yeah, I was watching the show and a few guys did similar spots during the show. And I, I really want us to be able to pay attention to that and get it out, you know, make sure we're not repeating things. So for that to be continuing on when we're, I mean, fairly deep into TV, it is concerning. Yeah. I mean, it's really, you know, kind of minor, but it just sort of, it makes a little uh, dissonance where you don't want any, like with the, the crossroads things, like, that was obviously supposed to be a big thing for MJF is that he stole the crossroads last week. He got another chance to do it here on a, a crew guy, which was a you know fun little angle to have some guy come out and get called out like that. Uh, it's just, we had just seen that in the previous match. So you're like, oh, I, okay. All right. I guess it's my turn to delete something. And honestly, 
most of this show I thought was was good. So there wasn't a lot that I was like really irritated by other than, you know, stuff that we've kind of already covered. Uh, but so here's what I got to go with. Yes, I know that the rankings are dumb. I know that they're fake, but you cannot have Chris Statlander versus Britt Baker next week as a number one contenders match. It makes no sense. Last week, Britt was ranked fourth and Chris Statlander was ranked fifth. When in the Emi Sakura Big Swole match, Hikaru Shida, who's actually ranked first, is sitting ringside, which makes sense. She's at the top of the, of the food chain. But now, because, uh, I don't know, reasons, these two are going to wrestle and one of them is going to become the number one contender, slide by Hikaru Shida. I just either, I don't care if they want to do that, that's fine. You can make a good argument that one of them could be the number one contender. But then you can't do the dumb rankings. You got to throw out the rankings and just do pro wrestling. You can't have both. That's what I would believe. How much of this would have been solved if Hikaru Shida dropped out of first place and, you know, is did not have a week a match this week? So for an activity, she slides down. Nyla Rose is suspended. And number three is Emi Soccer, who had the most recent defense. I see their logic and I see where you're coming from. And I guess I come into it that I think that they kind of booked themselves into a shoot where it's like, if these rankings matter, okay, I guess number four versus number five is going to be our determining match for the next challenger for Riho. So, you know, like, I, I think you're absolutely right about this, but I also think it's something that they made this problem happen. Like they could have easily worked their rankings into that. Hikarashita took a tremendous fall for losing to someone who did not win a match yet in AEW and was, and, and she was number one ranked woman. And then she dropped like this. I mean, like there's a way that they could have finagled this to make this a little bit cleaner so that we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Yeah. It's really like a sort of an issue of their own making. Cause they do so much calling attention to the win loss records and the rankings and putting all this focus on it. So then when they want to do something, that's just like more straightforward pro wrestling. Again, it just creates a little bit of dissonance there. Um, what they could have just done is be like, Hey, this is a number four versus number five match or whatever. Uh, because the rankings are so new and the win loss records are so volatile. If one of these people wins, it's probably going to push them to the top of the rankings or something like that. It's you know, just a little bit difference of language makes that difference, but yeah, you know, the, the rankings are fake. Uh, the win loss records are just begging you to disagree with them every time you see them. Although they did those little, you know, bugs on the Chiron where they say a funny thing about the wrestler. Those are cute. Yeah. That's my thing, Nate. It's like, it's not important. The win-loss stuff isn't important. The rankings aren't important, but they try to make it important. So then I kind of have to engage with it, at least, you know, to do this podcast. And then it's just, like you said, it's begging me to get irritated about that. You could, they could have that match next week and then have Hikaru Shida lose in a tag match or something and then just vault one of them to number one. Boom, you, you've solved your problem. But instead, here we are. Okay, ratings. Let's talk about ratings. Uh, they came out just a little bit earlier uh, on Thursday, and uh, we have a tie. Both shows had 778,000 viewers. I don't know if this factored in at all, but there was a large outage on Spectrum. It uh, specifically or especially uh, made me unable to watch the show on cable. I had to watch it on the TNT app. So uh, both shows down about 8 or 9%. 
AW dropped to 11th in the demo with a 0.28 down from a 0.32. NXT 21st in the demo uh, down from a 0.29 to a 0.24. So I don't know. I guess my my big takeaway here is that AW did not get the big bounce back from Thanksgiving, or, you know, like like they did right after Thanksgiving. They didn't get that, or I'm sorry, from Thanksgiving, like they did after the World Series that we kind of anticipated might happen. So they're getting to a round where they're going to be. But the other problem is, it is kind of the end of the year, the holidays. Like you can imagine people dipping out and coming back later for both of these shows. And the idea that it has to do with like the week to week booking, I think, is is real brainworm shit that people are tuning out because of week to week booking. Like, what did people expect for AEW? Like I saw a lot of talk today about how, oh, AEW is just TNA and we should just accept that that's what it is. It's 11 weeks in. Like, what did you think? Also gonna sold, be? sold more tickets already than TNA um, has in its entire history. Right. Yeah. And I mean, they, they haven't even had a chance yet. Like let a larger TV be. contract too. Right. Anyway, yeah. I'm just irritated. Yeah, yeah. Irritated. Uh, t- tag me and I, I I got my own thing to go on this. Let me do this. So I think that someone who's going to listen to this is going to call me an apologist and get your brain checked. A spectrum outage of the number two or number three cable provider who is mostly in the Southeast, where if you've like listened to the show and you followed around, a lot of their highest ratings and market share has been in the Southeast. Like That's why they said, oh, we're running Charlotte and even though it was not a big market and it didn't draw so well they're they're like you know what we're happy this we're still going back to Charlotte because Charlotte had a two share which is preposterous and the the whole thing like that is a big detriment there looking at like the big demographic splits on this especially for us like also this isn't a tie anyone who says that this is a tie obviously doesn't like look into how ratings operate AEW still won but the big thing is that the men 18 to 49 has stayed really strong. And I find that kind of interesting. The, the Wednesday night content is still kind of the same as it was before the World Series. You still have Matt Singer. That's still huge rating driver. Uh, Survivor's game towards the end, even though Survivor is like a canceled TV show and like a decrepit dinosaur. That matters. And looking at like the rest of the top five, like the shows that did better than them, a lot of them were because of impeachment drama. So that probably tells me more so that there's a lot more outlying figures here, but 778,000 overall is not great. It is also one of the things that I wonder how much the comp, the charter outage influenced it. I know that it's what spectrum spectrum it's charter spectrum. Oh yeah. So, so, so I wonder how much that influenced it. I think that that just like looking at this, I, I don't know what their true floor is and we're getting to a point now where we should be able to determine this with data. And I've been very big on saying you need like about 10 weeks, but you have so many like outlier weeks that completely influence your data that you just kind of for each outlier week, you need another like just control week. And it's hard to make a determination of that from there. I think uh, you're both, uh, I think from my perspective coming off is too defensive of AEW. So I'm going to take the antagonistic position. Uh, NXT is getting hot. It's becoming the hot promotion on Wednesday nights. They're storming back. People are super high on um, Keith Lee. Keith Lee's being pushed, I believe. Uh, so Keith Lee <laughs> is really heating up. Um, 
And Adam Cole is, you know, a big charismatic star as the champion. He's participating in AEW memes on Twitter, uh, which is, you know, endeared him to a larger part of the, uh, you know, uh, television youth audience. So that's probably siphoned some fans away. And what else? Um, Roderick Strong. Sure. I think that's right. Uh, the big thing for AW was that they they won all the demos this week except for 50 plus. So there was an issue last week where they dropped some of the demos. So it was like, oh, what's happening here? But it's pretty clear that the main roster bump that NXT got is is ending, although they have siphoned off some uh, some USA watching fans. But I don't know. Uh, I care less and less about this every week, except that I want AW to uh, succeed, just because I want there to be other wrestling that's like worth watching on American television, but we'll keep track. Convenient that you care less as AEW does worse and worse against the hot promotion in XT. Very convenient. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, I am who I am. All right, let's run down dynamite from this week. We started it off with Jim Ross telling us we're kicking it off with Mr. Attitude, John Moxley. What a line. That's why he's the voice of wrestling folks. (laughs) I mean, how many times do you say Jungle Jack Perry during this show? Yeah, he's he's great. So he's I like else. Jungle. I think Jungle Jack Perry is honestly, I like it better than Jungle Boy. I thought that there was something cute about like the throwback sort of nature of the Jungle Boy gimmick, and like it was you know a little uh, I don't know provincial or something. But I Jungle Jack Perry just the Jungle Jack has such a nice alliteration to it that I've come around to it. First match, John Moxley defeats. Alex Reynolds of the Beaver Boys in about 20 seconds with the paradigm shift. Uh, we get John Silver jumping in after to try to attack him. He gets a paradigm shift for his troubles. And, uh, well, what do you guys think about starting out with a squash match? First show or first match. Loved it. Um, I like, you know, the idea. So my, my theory on New Japan match lengths, this is like not actually a tangent, is they do really <laughs> long matches in the main events. Because people are paying $60 or whatever the fuck to come out and watch these. And they want to be delivered what they're expecting, which is like, you know, an epic Okada match, right? The audiences are not trained to, you know, accept six-minute main events or whatever. But this is American pro wrestling. It's on cable television. And I don't think the crowd was eager to see a long Alex Reynolds match. So they do a squash here. It's a good squash. He takes the paradigm shift in an exciting way. Moxley comes off like a huge star and crowd, no complaints whatsoever. You know, it's like, fuck, yeah, he's that good. He beat that guy in a minute. It was awesome. He dropped the other guy on his head. They're basically going full Stone Cold with Moxley, where, you know, back when Stone Cold just had to do two or three stunners on every single episode of Raw, uh, you know, ev- every night <laughs> on, the sh- on the Illinois shows, Moxley was dropping crew members of the paradigm shift after the cameras went off it's like that's what the fans want to see so they're giving it to them this ruled it's important to have your big star look like a badass and he looked like a badass unlike nate i'm going to spend exactly as much time as this match was to talking about this match but it ruled <laughs> all right then jericho's music hits he comes out with the inner circle he's got a mic and he cuts what i thought was a very good promo like interesting promo basically tracing the history of his interactions with Chris, with uh, John Moxley and showing us that you don't have to ignore everything that happened before. You know, that there is this long story between these two that can be used here in AEW to make it uh, interesting. So he says, I liked that they did. They threaded the needle well on that again, because 
if they started talking about the Ambrose Asylum and Mitch the Plant, I was going to be like, don't remind people of that shit. Because again, that feud fucking sucked. It was terrible. But they didn't do that. They kept it more general than that. Uh, I also like the little entrance they did where the inner circle walked all the way around the ring like Jericho led a circle and then they circled the ring. Just a cute little thematic thing. And then, you know, basically he, he ties all that into, you know, I brought you to AEW, essentially. Like I told, I showed you how to reignite your passion for wrestling. And despite all that, you laid me out at double or nothing, but that's okay because it showed me you're still a winner. And then he ends all this by uh, inviting John Moxley to the inner circle, which, so this sucks from the perspective that there's all these other angles of like, will you come join my heel group? You know, we're trying to get a new member or whatever. This makes, of course, perfect sense in this story because the story is Jericho's afraid of Moxley and doesn't want to wrestle him. So one way to avoid that would be to have him come join his group. So I wish all these other stories weren't going on because this would be very good. Yeah, and this was that was my exact complaint uh, in the delete section, but I can also justify it a little bit. Like, yeah, it's a new promotion. The groups are just starting. You have to have membership drafts. <laughs> I mean, it is fair. Like, I do think there's something to... They have to create all these new things. And yes, people can say I'm I'm uh, justifying things or being defensive for AEW, but I do think there's something too that they have to create things out of nothing. You know, they have no baseline. So I'm willing to let it play out a little bit more uh, than, than maybe some people are. Uh, the classic let it play out defense from the AEW hardcore. I know. I thought this was fine. I liked it. Fine? It was yeah. good. I, I mean, I guess like the fine. thing... I, I guess like the, the promo itself was fine. Let me let me talk. I think the promo <laughs> itself was fine, but the thing is like th there was like a certain thing of why doesn't Moxley attack people like this because he's been attacking crew members, as Nate said. He's been pretty much he's laying down out five everyone. To one. Yeah, but that's what I was gonna say. He was down five to one, and he's crazy. He's not Jesus. stupid. He's crazy. He's not stupid. And I think like that was pretty well. He's not stupid. I, I think that was pretty well defined by that there. So I mean, I thought Jericho. I've, what you said about like weaving the story threading the eagles is smart. And I like having promotions that ha that are full of different stables going at it. But John Moxley is someone who doesn't need one. So they should draw this out, and then eventually he's going to completely clock Chris Jericho, and then he'll make his title challenge for Revolution. I think we got a, a pre-tape building up the Young Bucks Proud and Powerful match that was coming later in the night. And then the Butcher and the Blade defeated Cody and QT Marshall. Uh, very funny MJF inset here. It is Marshall. He is we had it right. About... We were, we, we've been saying Marshall, and then they said Marshall on the show, and now you're both saying Marshall. Well, MJF said Marshall. I don't think anybody yeah. else did. But he, he would know, right? Unless he was talking only to us. I assume he said it correctly. I think he was talking only to us. <laughs> I think it's Marshall. I thought he was, I thought he he was said Q yeah, QT? But, but like Jim Ross said, Marshall. Yeah. Uh, QT, you have, you have retweeted a tweet of mine. I know you listen. Just drop me a DM and let us know how to say your damn name, please. Thank you. Know, what's, what's the deal? What's the deal? Anyway, but so, okay, well, I, I should say that uh, the Blade pinned QT after their suplex backcracker combo. Not sure what it's called. But the, the interesting thing I thought to take away from this little inset promo was that MJF is still on this story of his involvement with the Butcher and the Blade. So he said, when you let them pick your partner, you were really letting me pick your partner. So there's still some tie between MJF and the Butcher and the Blade, and I'm not sure where that's going to go. Don't fuck with the bunny, MJF, is what I'm saying. All right, so Cody's laid out. Darby comes out 
to a huge pop. He's Fair got chance. he's got the shirt you can see his nipples through. I mean, just a huge star. And he extends his hand to Cody. Cody takes it. Darby helps Cody up. Uh, he does a post on Twitter later that says he never forgot his time limit draw with Cody. Good thing since it was like a few months ago. And he'll be glad to partner with Cody to take on the Butcher and the Blade. But if they win, he wants a rematch with Cody. Great storytelling. Good step. Yeah, this world, like, the tag match was great, as we talked about earlier, and then everything post-match. And that's something saying that they took three weeks to build up Darby on TV, and he's still one of the top four people and being most over when he comes out. When he hasn't been on TV since he faced John Moxley. And before that, he wasn't on TV since he faced Chris Jericho other than being in the crowd at full gear. Like, this guy is going to be an absolute fucking legend. Let's just get get all bored on it. And I think having him and Cody with this is a great idea as well. Why was he in the crowd at full gear? No clue. They never said. Don't know. It was real WWE. During the women's match. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was, wasn't it? Yeah. And it well, wasn't like maybe a, it's going to Priscilla, Priscilla being involved or something. Right. I thought maybe just hanging out TPK vehicle, but it didn't turn out to be. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Very strange. But they only bring Darby in for like big stuff. He's not, you know, fucking around tagging with Kip Sabian or whatever. All right. MJF is, comes out with Wardlow. And <laughs> I enjoyed that he called the grip Cord Boy. I thought that was funny. Uh, asked him to get in the ring. Of course, Cordboy is ripped. You know, he's obviously uh, some sort of wrestler. And he says, you laughed last week when Cody made fun of my crossroads. So now you have to kiss the the diamond uh, dynamite ring, uh, which he does. But then MJF crossroads him anyway. So then you we missed some of this promo after here. What Was it a you fucked up chant? Uh, Maybe I, think I don't remember that. that. Well, you might not have had this problem yeah, no. in Italy, Nate. Oh, I, was, yeah. I think it was um, maybe Belarus this week. I think it was in Belarus. <laughs> Uh, I don't oh, remember you're, that you're traveling might've happened. Um, the, he's doing the kiss the ring thing on BTE too. There was a funny segment with Scorpio where he was doing that this week. Uh, also the cord boy might not be a wrestler. Like, you know, roadies are often big guys cause they're moving boxes and shit around all the time. And I think I watched Sammy Guevara's blog. I think there's like a whole cast of crew guys who are like part of the Zambi vlog universe now. So mm. worth keeping an eye on cord boy might actually be like a known quantity. I just figured he was ripped, plus he took a bump, so I just thought he was probably a, a trained wrestler, but he certainly could Yeah, I guess been. he did take a bump. That makes sense. Uh, he says, Cody is a great wrestler. He's untouchable on the mic. I like that AEW is bringing back heels putting over faces in their promos. And, uh, you know, like the Jesse Ventura style, you know, like you can, or Bobby Heenan, you know, you can still be a heel and put over the baby face. So anyway, I like that. He says on that, like Jericho was like, Oh, you know, I barely beat Omega by the skin of my teeth. It's like, Hey, you didn't fucking bury him. It makes sense. Exactly. It's beautiful. He says, you're untouchable on the mic, except for one guy. So why would you come for that one guy? Uh, He says, I enjoyed your business proposal, but I don't need your crap, man. (laughs) Came out very funny. I thought, Uh, he says, all he wants is for Cody to suffer. Uh, you say I'm fake, but when I, I think of fake, I think of you. He talks about all the things, the way that Cody is fake. So he says uh, Cody wants uh, wants him too much, so he can't fire him. So he's on. He's ready to have a match with Cody, but he has stipulations, but he will not reveal the stipulations until the show in Jacksonville. Yeah, it seems like we're fast-forwarding the whole MJF won't wrestle him thing, but yeah. maybe that's a, a reaction to them doing the same story with Moxley and Jericho. I don't know. Yeah. It, it could have... It could very well be that he's going to have some ridiculous stipulations that are just completely 
unfathomable and that impossible to make to do, total so it further strings it out. Yeah, so that's what I yeah, expect. I yeah. expect him like ask for like a yacht. That'd be good. They just like they've kind of hot shotted the whole Cody MJF thing already. So I hope they draw this out for some time. There was another Dark Order pre-tape. Alex Reynolds is in a hotel. There's uh, something on the TV that you know is one of the Dark Order commercials, and says, you know, we see you keep losing. You should join the Dark Order. And then John Silver comes in at the end, and uh, it's a, you know very confusing for him what's going on. So the Beaver Boys going from enhancement talent to maybe like being part of a story. Not only that, I have to give points to uh, Alex Reynolds' ability to wrestle a match, lose the match, leave the leave the arena, go to the hotel, take a shower, get ready to like relax for the rest of the night, and do that like within forty five minutes. So good for him. Got to sell that neck. I don't think it's meant to be like a live backstage shot. I think we're supposed to (laughs) understand it's taking place outside of the television universe, you know? Nah, it was live. I don't have a strong opinion on this, to be honest. I didn't think of it at the time, to be honest. All right. Then we had uh, Big Swole defeating Emi Sakura with her ripcord forearm with Hikaru Shida for some unknown reason watching from ringside. But at least the match was uh, very good. We don't know. The big mystery from this match, did the We Will Rock You spot get over because it happened during a commercial? Didn't I tell you the answer to this? I mean, you said it in a chat, but not all of our listeners are in the chat. Oh, so you were throwing to me. Is that what you were doing? Yeah, that's okay, what I was going so on. She did a smart thing here in that she set up the We Will Rock You chant the first time instead of just doing the stomp, stomp, clap, and then her crossbody into the turnbuckle thing. She did a stomp, stomp, chop to Big Swole in the turnbuckle. And that was that went great because people love reacting to chops. It more clearly delineated what she was going for there. So the first time she did it, it got a pretty good reaction. I don't know that people didn't sing along. Again, you're not you can't count on Americans fans to sing along because we don't have that culture. We don't have like the soccer culture where fans sing along to shit really. Um, but it got a good reaction. When she did it later, she did it a second time before she did the cross body spot. I don't think it got as big a reaction, but maybe better than it has in past weeks. Again, I think we talked about this like on the reaction show. It's kind of too babyface a spot for her being a heel in this promotion, which we're pretty sure it is. But, you know, it's fun. Whatever. Yeah, like I have my inner conflict about her doing this stuff. Like, it's fine. Like, it's fun. But at the same time, like the stuff I've enjoyed most out of her has been like the tricky veteran heel stuff that she would do, like doing the the flowing uh, Romero specials. I like I like that kind of stuff more so than the Mike Stand stuff. Yeah, well, I was gonna say the the prolonged Mike Stand jockeying. Yeah, that's a that's a no for me. I think. Yeah, I agree. I, but I think the I think the Emmy Sakura run is probably over. I think they did what they wanted to with with Emmy. Gave her some wins, got her uh, over a little bit, and then had her drop some some losses to people that they needed. You know, she had the tweet about how she was taking a one way flight, and then if it turned into something, she would stick around. Of course, she needed to be back in Japan for uh, Gato Mu shows. But then she did a tweet today that was like, "I wanted to wrestle all over the world this year, and I did that, and you know, it's been fun. Now I'm going back to Japan." So I just wonder if we won't see much of Emmy going forward. Oh, did you retweet that? Uh, no, I did not retweet that. Because I hadn't seen that one. Should have. Sorry, I'll retweet that. I've retweeted a lot of Emmy tweets on uh, the EE account, but not that one. Okay. I'll go back and get it. So, Sweet. yeah. So she might be done. But that's just that's speculation on my part. 
All right, then we see Pac. He's backstage with Jen Decker and the the ascent. The what? The essence of this uh, promo was that he wants his rubber match with Kenneth Omega, or he will not be held accountable for what he does. A good Pac promo. All right, and from that we see. <laughs> I almost said Kenny Page. What's going on with me? Kenny Omega, Adam Page defeating Kip Sabian and Sean Spears. Kenny Page pinned Sabian after a buckshot lariat. Uh, the story here, as Nate alluded to earlier, was Omega had kind of gotten everything set up to finish off Sabian, and Page tagged himself in, uh, got the pin, and Omega had a little bit of a surprise but impressed look, I thought. Yeah, uh, my same take on the whole Sean Spears gimmick, and um, maybe he heard it because he blocked us on Twitter. Uh, the chair <laughs> thing isn't working, and the blackout thing, hes you know, blackouts need to be for, like, the Undertaker or Super Dragon, not... Sean Spears and the chair he never hits anybody with. And his theme doesn't really work for his character either. Like it's, it's kind of weird. Like it, it's, there's like a big like disconnect. I feel like with him and the whole thing of like Joey Janela doing a, do, doing a blackout into tying up uh, Tully Blanchard, I thought was kind of ridiculous. Like it, it, if this was going to be like a week where I wasn't going to talk about Luchasaurus wrestling, we probably should be wrestling. I would have talked about like how kind of inherently ridiculous it is for them to be doing a tied up manager thing and just like have it be that uh, Sean Spears could run out of the ring, remove himself from the ring, even though he wasn't the active person in the match and that not be like some sort of non no contest. But we've talked about this before with like the trios match that had, that had John Moxley come out there. It just was like, kind of a weird feud that like I completely forgot about, but now it's apparently back on again between Janelle and Spears. So I don't know. It was weird. I think the loser of this feud should have to unblock us on Twitter. Yes. That's a step right there. That's a great step. All right. Somebody in this promotion listens to this show. Make the step happen. We, we've talked about so much how seriously you take steps. This is a real one with real consequences, real stakes. I mean, we will. There's been Joey Janela tweets I've wanted to retweet to our massive audience, and I just haven't had the opportunity because, uh, again, the the unjustified blocking of the EE Pod account by the coward Joey Janela. Boo, boo, Joey Janela. All right, yeah, okay. Brandy pre-tape. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but basically, we got Brandy in like a hotel room. It kind of looks like. Uh, and she says, okay, people don't want me here, but what would AEW look like without me? A kid's gymnastics meet, which I thought was a funny line, like funny and like, where, where are we going here? And so she starts, you know, throwing shade at the uh, women's division. She says, Riho is small and is barely around. Britt Baker just talks about her boyfriend a lot. I guess, is that like a backstage thing? She talks about her boyfriend a lot. I haven't heard her like cut a lot of promos about Adam Cole. Uh, she says, Chris Statlander, she still wants you around, you know, still wants her to join the nightmare collective. Melanie Cruz comes out and uh, there's a bald guy that she won't show us who it is yet. But we've done a bunch of investigating and everyone originally thought it could have been Dustin Rhodes, but it looks like the bald person is former Western Canada indie star, Dr. Luther. Or at least that's who it was in this pre-tape. It seems like he is Chris Jericho's one of Chris Jericho's best friends. If you remember like the wrestling retribution project Kickstarter that like had all that money and then never happened or it got all taped and never happened. He was supposed to be part of it. So 
if it ends up going that way, then, you know, it'll be fine. Uh, I don't know that this promo, like, I think Brandy usually is one of the better pre-tape promo people. And like, I know that there was like some consternation of, oh, she's going to do shots fired here. This was relatively tame to both Riho and Britt Baker. So I don't know. It was fine. Former FMW star, Dr. Luther. How about that? Feuded with Hayabusa. Um, but yeah, I thought it was funny that Brandy gets like the same privilege that Cody does in this promotion where they're sort of allowed to shoot and sort of allowed to echo the criticisms that uh, people that watch the show might have and sort of get over in that way. It's basically the only way that anyone in WWE gets over is by observing how much the show sucks. It's what Kevin Owens does right now is he comes out and vocalizes all the ways the shows suck and the fans know the shows suck. And that gets him over as the only like babyface star in the company. And that, you know, Cody and Brandy are smart and they're like, oh, we can sort of borrow that. And that can be our sort of, you know, privilege or benefit on this show. I thought it was funny. Next up was uh, Luchasaurus defeating Sammy Guevara with uh, the move that I just, I don't know the name of, and it's hard for me to describe. Extinction. Extinction. Fuck, that's right. Uh, Jericho and Jake Hager were out to do commentary with JR on this, and I thought they were, uh, and by they, I mean Chris Jericho, was very funny. Hager did a great job of not fucking saying anything stupid. Yes, don't talk ever, Jake Hager. Thank and you. And never tweet. We don't want to hear your dumbass things, and yeah. That was, that was the subtext of what we were saying. I'm just laying it out here on the line. <laughs> uh, Jericho and Hager. Yes. Jericho and Hager are beating down Luchasaurus after the match. Jungle Boy uh, jumps in. I wrote and brawls with Jungle Boy, which can't be true. He must have brawled with Chris Jericho. Uh, Jericho threw him out. He skins the cat. And then he pins Jericho. And Marco Stunt counts the one, two, three. So Chris Jericho is now taking two pinfalls in AEW. Love it. Like That's just very funny yeah, to me. Loved it. No, I just loved it. I think they set it up pretty well. Yeah, uh, just very you know funny way to make you think that oh maybe Jungle Boy can actually beat him, like and also funny to have Marco just like slide in out of nowhere to do that little count. Just really amused me. Jericho sold it like you know the master that he is, and yeah, I was really tickled by this. Yeah, they're doing a good job of building up this challenge, and I hope that after how the Scorpio Sky thing came out, people will realize that like this stuff is good. We don't have to get too worked up about it. Yeah, I don't know what criticisms you're referring to. Sounds like bad follows on your part. Um, but I like what they've done, and they did this with Darby. They did this to Scorpio to a little bit less effect, and they're now you know, attempting to do it here with uh, Jungle Boy. And like they've done with pretty much all the inner circle is they're letting guys rub up against Jericho and be either involved with them or evolved against them and shown to be equal or on his level or at least playing in the same sandbox as him is a way to like establish them because Jungle Boy hasn't had that opportunity yet on this television. And now, you know, in, in a couple weeks after he has that match with Jericho, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, I see something in Jungle Boy for sure. <laughs> Main event, the Young Bucks defeated Proud and Powerful. Matt Jackson pinned Ortiz after the Meltzer driver. In the middle of this match, we had Hager come out and he and Dustin Rhodes kind of get into it. So they're still building to the Maggot Chud challenge. And after it was all over, the Bucks face off with SCU, which will build to a title match next week in Corpus Christi. Yeah, this was a fun car wreck. The only thing I really kind of wasn't a huge fan of was they've really overkilled the guys going through the stage. Like they sent Brandon Cutler out through the stage. I think that they we can go a while without them doing that for a bit. 
The rest of this match, I mean, it's fun. It was crazy ways of going through tables. Like if you if you had like a stiff wind to go against someone, they went through a table. And it just was like a fun like street fight. I, I thought this was a good capper for this feud. And apparently Nick Jackson this entire match of a terrible flu. So I mean, I won't call this his flu game, but this was a fun match for him to have. I like the stage spot because they've kept it specific to one group. So it's like their trademark thing. So I like them just having that unto themselves. Um, and also just cute. I talked about how I really enjoyed this match earlier. Uh, but just like the Cowboys helmet is just like simple stuff like pop the hometown crowd. You can use it because it's a street fight. Just like, you know, simple pro wrestling things that get a good reaction if you just put a little forethought into them. And that's what you get. AW Dark this week, the, the matches that were taped. Vicky Guerrero is on commentary this week. Hopefully, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Vicky's complex. It's hard to a complex character in wrestling, I think. But nice, just like a nice thing to do. I don't know. For, you know, basically the place she used to work treated her like shit because she had the temerity to be the widow of a wrestler that they essentially killed. So just nice maybe to let her be involved in wrestling without having total uh, negative associations with it. And the matches are going to be SCU taking on Private Party, Britt Baker taking on Machiko, and Chris Statlander taking on B Priestley in the, the Aaron Bentley Bowl, and Hybrid 2 and Pack going up against the best friends in Orange Cassidy. So this looks a lot better than last week's. And uh, Mike and I will talk about it on AEW Light next Wednesday morning. Yeah, that hybrid two and pack trio, boy, does that have some like dragon system weird history going on with that. So I'm stuck. Real I'm, Mike Spear shit. Real Mike Spear shit. I mean, actually, out of that match, five of the people have links to the dragon system. So yeah, fun. The only person who doesn't is Trent. You love to see it. Next week, December 18, in Corpus Christi, Texas. The rumor is that the, uh, well, I mean, it's not a rumor, I guess, but the ticket sales aren't going that well. So they have loaded it up here. We got Jericho taking on Jungle Boy. As I said, we got SCU versus the Young Bucks for the tag titles. And, of course, Britt Baker taking on Chris Statlander for the number one contendership. And Riho will be in the building. Apparently not working a match, but she'll be there. Yeah, I'm, uh, I haven't checked the data on this, but it seems like the whole downward trend where, like I said, the hot promotion NXT has really started to claw back and even won, win some weeks against AEW, the failing AEW. I think all that's happened since Riho has not been on the show and since she's been in Japan. So I think next week, you know, we're going to be back above a million uh, with superstar Riho here. I like the take that it all, it all hinges on Riho. I think that has to be right. All right, just a few more notes and we'll get out of here. They announced that on February 29th, their next pay-per-view will happen. Revolution. It's going to be in Chicago at the Wintrust Arena starting a little early, 6 p.m. I noticed today. Uh, the wow, really? Yep. Starting at 6 mm. p.m. Doors at 5. And tickets are going to go on sale next Friday, December 20th, right before Christmas. Not sure that's the best idea, but okay. I'm sure it'll sell well anyway. Well, the big thing about this is it's a part of the C2E2, too, right? So... It's, I assume that they've probably got a good deal with this and they're going to be like some weird like ticket bundle probably with C2E2. So I don't expect it. I know that that's like a deal that two pay-per-views in Chicago is controversial. I mean, it's it's basically the same thing as the CEO Fighter Fest show. Like, I mean, there's a deal there and it might be a sold show. 
Like, I don't know this, but I wouldn't be surprised to hear that this was a sold show for them. So makes sense. Maybe other cities should do a better job of being wrestling fans. Strong take. We, well, you know, data doesn't lie. We do know that they drew 4,100 fans to the Champaign, Illinois show that, that Nate was at. Uh, so, you know, a fine number. Uh, we'll see how they do with I, this show is going to do fine. The C2E2 thing. Will it have an effect on all out? I think is the real question uh, when September comes around, if people are going to fly back out to Chicago again. But maybe those people aren't going to fly to Chicago for this show because it's the C2E2 thing. We'll see. All right. Uh, Brody Lee, formerly known as Luke Harper, got his WWE release this past week. All indications I would expect is that he's going to show up in AEW eventually. Um, not sure exactly what he'll do here, but it's certain to be fun. I want uh, I want Brody Lee in with Brandon Howard Thurston as the WrestleNomics All-Stars as a unit here. That's my dream booking there. Uh, Shima was the person who got him his big break. So I don't expect. So I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if he shows up here. So, yeah. Um, Christopher Mugigana Harrington, I would say, got him his real big break again on the hit podcast, WrestleNomics. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. And we found out that John Moxley, AEW's own John Moxley, is going to be taking on Lance Archer for the IWGP US title at the Tokyo Dome on 1-4. The winner of that match will take on Juice Robinson for that title the next night. And uh, we, we don't know yet. Moxley kind of says he's still going to be doing Japan. We don't know, though, whether he's going to be there after the Dome. But I guess if he walks out with the title, we'll know. So... I'm a little annoyed at the booking because it really seems like they're telegraphing that Juice is just going to win his title back, which wouldn't make sense because they obviously set up that whole feud to give Juice a big win over a big American star. Uh, you know, understanding that Juice and Moxley were friends in SCW, it makes sense that, hey, Moxley wants to go and put over his friend in a big way and make him a star for this title. But Moxley did also drop Minoru Suzuki on his head in the angle on this show. And he talked about wanting to wrestle Minoru Suzuki. So, I don't know, maybe that's a New Year's Dash match, especially maybe if Suzuki's on his way out of the company. But I, I would think we maybe get that one more match out of Moxley or Suzuki or maybe more. Who knows? Okay, as someone who's not watched really any New Japan other than a bit of Royal Quest, Jericho's going to be at Wrestle Kingdom, right? Yes, 1-5. Okay, cool. Hiroshi Tanahashi. I'm just trying to get like schedules in my head of if they will be off that show in South Haven, I think, because that's the next show. But they're going to have a rough flight because it's going to be Jacksonville over to uh, to Japan for three days and then back, assumingly that they'll be back in time for the shows in Mississippi. So that's wild. Yeah, that, that sounds like it sucks. We'll see how exactly that plays out, who's going to be where. But... We don't know yet. All we know is they're going to be at Tokyo Dome. Nate and I are going to be at the Tokyo Dome, uh, assuming the Sendai Girl show is over in time. And uh, we'll see what happens. So yeah. anything else you guys want to talk about this week? Yeah, You're not going to go see Chris Brooks versus the Joshi in that one, hour, one and a half hour match that they announced today? I did see him pushing that. Yeah. No, we do. We are going to Tokyo Joshi Pro on 1-5. One one four. One four. Okay. But that's the Brooks match is one five. I don't one know. There's four. honestly too many, too many shows even running opposite each other on the dome days at this point. Yeah. yeah. No, that match is on one four. That's for Gake Pro. 
Mm-hmm. Whatever that is. Yeah. Don't know. But yeah, no, I, I can't say I'm rushing out to see uh, Chris Brooks matches. I'm just saying like that. That's another match for esteemed Joshi boy, Aaron Bentley, to keep on the horizon. He, seem, he seems very likable. Seems like yeah. a very likable guy. Chris Brooks. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. just don't like watching him wrestle, but he seems like a nice guy. Would be amusing to see him. You know, he's basically uh, like twice the height of all these women. That would be amusing to see. Does he? Does his head? Did anybody watch the Gato Move show that he was on? Yeah, definitely yeah. watch that. Yeah, yeah, I watched that. Did his? Uh, okay, you guys can tell me then. Did his head hit the ceiling? Because it seems like it would. No, but his partner's head did. Okay. Did she get on his shoulders or something? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm glad. I learned that uh, Ichigaya Chocolate Square is a former dentist's office, or like a waiting room <laughs> in a dentist's I, office. I didn't know that. Yeah. Very funny. Isn't it like, is it like, oh, I think it's like open air, right? Like they took all the windows out of it or something. So it's like basically a little open yeah, well, you, plaza you can kind of think, in this area. Yeah. You can kind of think about what a, what a waiting or like a lobby would be like, you know, in a, in a doctor's office. And yeah, just imagine you get rid of like the window where the receptionist would sit, et cetera. Yeah, okay. That's, that's the that's Gotham move talk. <laughs> I don't have any other Gato move takes. I was thinking about going to see Actress Girls on January 8th. If anybody yeah, has any uh, recommendations on that point. Yeah. It's, of our listeners out there. I would do it if I were you. Uh, I'm a little bummed. I'm not going to get to see as much Joshi as I was hoping to see while I'm in Japan, but uh, we'll see a little bit. It'll be fine. I'll survive. And I'll, I'll go back. I'll be holed up in the mountain state. I'm the designated survivor in case something happens. I'm the one that's carry on the show. <laughs> That's right, because Aaron Tao was going to be in Japan also. So, um, but at least, but we also planned this much like uh, the president and vice president would do. We're not all flying <laughs> together, so that Nate is important. I, Nate and I will be on one flight on the way there, but we'll, we're all on separate flights on the way back. Right, so, right. I, happens, I'm just saying, this show will go on. Kara will be my permanent co-host, and we'll <laughs> get Murder Brian, and it'll probably go into just like. I I don't know. I was talking about like metal and just uh, Magic the Gathering Could probably. BlizzCon. Cars BlizzCon. Official yeah, BlizzCon. BlizzCon. Oh, oh, I'll have a lot of questions for her about how competitive uh, World of Warcraft is right now. All right. I love it. Okay. Well, we got to get of Warcraft have, Is that PvP in World of Warcraft? Yeah. Arena. Oh, one thing before we go. Kenny Omega was announced to be the host or on-screen talent for the Capcom Cup coming up. And that's a that's probably the second biggest or third biggest uh, fighting game event. So, wait, Smash Brothers character coming tonight, Kenny Omega. So, honestly, not the worst pick because there's like a what it, one of the games does like cosplay is skins or something. Maybe that's Mortal Kombat. I think Mortal Kombat takes real people and has them as like skins mm-hmm. for their characters. Um, Honestly, would not be like unexpected if Kenny Omega got like a uh, a cameo in a Street Fighter at this point because all these games are ongoing services now, Aaron. But probably the only thing we can guarantee about Smash Brothers is that all of the characters originated in video games. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Whereas like Kenny did the preview video for the Street Fighter Five character, Cody, a couple of years ago. So yeah. like he's he's been attached to that and... I don't know if his direct gear was used in Tekken, but New Japan had a deal with, with, with Tekken for that. So, but as far as we know, Kenny was birthed by humans, not 
in a video game. Right? Well, I guess I guess it's how do you draw the distinction between uh, uh, Tyson Smith the character and Kenny Omega, or Tyson Smith the person, oh. Kenny Omega the character? Yeah, because um, he is basically a walking Mega Man reference, mm-hmm. of course. Sure, and he did have the the Capcom sound team did his theme music for DDT, and you know, so there's an argument to be made, I guess, that maybe. He originated in a video game in that way. It's a poor argument. I wouldn't do it. Hey, Mega Man is in Smash Brothers. So there is a link there already. So there you go. All right. Well, we got to get Nate out of here so he can find out who the super new Super Smash Brothers character is going to be. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, uh, give us a subscription. Uh, rate and review. All that good stuff. And uh, most importantly, go to Patreon.com slash EverythingElite. Give us a subscription. There's still plenty of time left this month and lots of content. Um, been a while since we've had any five-star reviews on the iTunes. Again, outstanding offer. If you leave us a five-star review, we'll talk about whatever the fuck you put in there. So you can do something amusing to amuse yourself, to amuse your friends, and then we have to talk about it. That's true. Do it. All right. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. I